Hi again. This is the second of two Meathead Hippie podcasts that you will be hopefully listening to. I have done two every week in recognition and in acknowledgement of the different sides of ourselves. And I felt with the phrase Meathead Hippie, it was only appropriate to make sure that we represent both sides. Although I'm not going to lie, this is a little bit of an interview that could be meathead hippie. I don't even know what it is. It's just so good. I really enjoyed this conversation with Ryan from Coconut Information and really the start of so many conversations that I hope to have and will have around the food that we eat. And I know that it is important for us to understand the macronutrients and the micronutrients. And I have a full you know, program around that because the foundational support that we need as humans is all about what food you put into your body and what your cells are made of. So Platform Daily, of course, is this home base of movement foundation and Empirica nutrition foundation and MFIT challenge macro foundation and all of these pieces, you know, that fit into the wellness world. But as we seek for more and as we seek to do better, especially as a whole and in the world we live in, we have to understand our impact in the world we live in based on how we harvest and how we grow and how we eat food that is good for us, but maybe not so good for the environment. And so it's this really interesting conversation that we've had to some extent when it comes to regenerative agriculture and the conversations around meat and how to do farming in a sustainable, regenerative way. But I want to just break down the simplest things. And one of the main staples in so many of our lives is coconut, coconut oil, coconut cream, coca- like cocoa butter, coconut butter. Uh, there's like so many things for coconut. It's like the duct tape. I used to put that meme up of how coconut is like the duct tape and it's, you use it for anything, right? And I've been using it for my m- mouth with oil pulling and I put coconut oil in my coffee sometimes. And we just, we have a great understanding of the beautiful benefits of coconut. And for those who have been following me for a long time, you know, all the way from the days of (laughs) better with butter and bacon and skinny jeans, you know, understanding the relationship with saturated fat is one that has been very broken. And there are always conflicting informations out there because there is interest that aren't in our healthiest interest, pushing product and pushing and promoting foods that are not good for us, nor for our environment to grow. But there are certain staples, one of them being coconut, that is so nutrient dense. It is a fascinating plant. And I thought it would be so amazing to just hear from somebody who really loves this plant, who has made a commitment after 10 years, you know, kind of becoming a coconut lover and doing some fun workshops and then building a farm and really building his whole life around this plant and having so much respect for this plant in a way that I just love. And I think I wanted to just bring some Maui to you all, uh, wherever you are. So next time you look at coconut water, coconut oil, or use it, there's a little bit more education around it, right? That's all we can do is keep learning and keep respecting and keep having gratitude for what is actually on our plate. And it's not just about connecting 
the dots with chewing our food and being present at our meals and slowing it down so we digest better and we smell and we have more enzymes and break food down more, right? It's, it's really this understanding of, oh my gosh, this made it a really far way to get to me. And it's really good for me to be here and learn about how abundant Maui is, yet how much is still being imported. And I believe so strongly with this work of bringing back this tea line with these farmers and really understanding how can we do better? How can we make a difference? It really starts with looking at your food, every single ingredient, and not just looking at macros and how it might add up on your macro chart, even though that can be really important for balancing blood sugar and feeling strong and changing body composition. It is about connecting with food and connecting with the land. And you don't have to be in Maui to do that. And so I really... I'm excited to hear what you think about this conversation with Ryan. It was fun. We got to do it on a farm. There's going to be rain in the background. And I had his little cat with me the whole time. And it was just a really wonderful little visit. So enjoy learning about the coconut. I think you're going to really enjoy it. (laughs) I'm Emily Schramm, the ultimate meathead hippie. Welcome to the show. The Ode to the Coconut podcast. Okay. Uh, what do you uh, think about? Yeah. I mean, I think our whole life should be an Ode to the Coconut, or mine <laughs> is at least. So um, that works. Coconut that works. information. Yes. We're at your workshop slash beautiful outdoor kitchen slash farm slash home slash paradise. I am nourished with the coconut, and today we get to talk about the coconut in all its depth and elegance. You've talked about this briefly. We're going to get into all about the coconut, but about the female, the feminine components of the yeah. coconut. So some, well, this will be the hippie side of the podcast. <laughs> so we're going to go to the hippie dippy. Um, there's some really interesting similarities between human beings, specifically women, and coconuts. Um, that being uh, first and foremost, the fruiting cycle. So basically every month, the coconut flowers. So it's like a woman goes through ovulation every month and has an opportunity to produce baby coconuts. Um, and it goes generally with the moon. Um, so it's not going off, you know, uh, Julius Caesar's calendar. It's going off the earth's calendar because trees don't see January, February, March. They see full moons. So every moon cycle, the coconuts, uh, fruiting, it, when it produces fruit, it, uh, packs the coconut full of rich fats. We talked about lauric acid and caprylic acid, which are fatty acids that are only found in mammalian milk and basically coconuts. And that milk is the food for the baby tree. So the first year of that uh, tree's life, it can get its roots down, its leaves up, and then it's on its own. So kind of the same thing we do with our babies, right? Yeah. And then lastly is the um, lifespan of it, which is roughly 80 to 120 years, almost dead on what a human being is. So... We're pretty tied to these things in other ways, too. But, uh, I mean, that's a pretty major similarity right there. And thinking about how much we were talking about. So when you're looking at a coconut, and I'll have visuals for you all listening, there's these old coconuts with some sprouts coming out. Mm -hmm. And one of them can produce up to... So a coconut's going to live again 80 to 120 years. It's going to fruit every moon cycle. So every flower, every fruiting... Gosh, I've seen them with 20 coconuts 
I've seen it with one or two, but just take it somewhere in the middle over the course of that 100 years, you're basically looking at around 10,000 coconuts per tree. Um, so one coconut planted can produce 10,000 more coconuts. So it's kind of like a, it's like a pyramid scheme that you want to get in on. <laughs> Yes, that's a good analogy. So you have been on Maui for a while since you were 20. You had to go elsewhere to learn more about coconut in some way. Yeah. So there's a pretty strong coconut culture in Hawaii, but not like in Sri Lanka or Fiji or Indonesia or places like that. So I went on a couple trips and I went to go. I tried to get as far as I could from the developed areas. So that would mean like waiting like a week because there's one boat that goes to a specific island kind of thing. And I wanted to learn how people work with coconuts because I had this projection that this plant is so abundant, it's so productive. There must be people that didn't give in to the Western way of living and still uh, live like a coconut heavy life, specifically in Polynesia. So yeah, I went on some trips and I learned a ton. I also kind of was a little, I don't want to say disappointed, but had my eyes open to how Western society can influence other countries and cultures. And even that far out island, you get to this far island, it's hard to get to. There's no real stores. There's no real roads. There's zero traffic lights for sure. And yet people still eat uh, cooked with vegetable oil mm-hmm. because um, even then it's easier to go to the store and buy it than it is to make it yourself. But the knowledge was there, and uh, there are a few steps ahead of us in terms of like sustainability. So I went there to learn things and then bring them back here hmm. um, so I could teach other people. And teaching you are. You have this beautiful book. This is how I found you through Aunt Jory, this um, booklet, Coconut Information. It's on. I'll link all of it below, but just like this gorgeous guide. Because I do, you know, we think of coconut, and especially people who are in the wellness world, we were talking about this. We know the benefits of it. We use it to pull our mouth and help our high, dental hygiene, to help our skin. Bulletproof coffee. Bulletproof coffee. What are, you know, MCT oil, medium chain triglycerides, helping fight pathogens, so many different components. But all of us are waking up to the fact that just because it's in our hand and it's going to benefit our body, there's another side to that circle. Mm-hmm. There's another side to that story. So it's fascinating for me, and especially just the cooking you took me through, when we go to Costco and get a two pound, three pound, five, I don't even, I think I've seen, I've definitely bought right. a five pound. Definitely at Costco. <laughs> yes, right? So you're getting coconut oil and it's so beautiful, but I want to kind of share that awareness of what's behind many, that. Yeah, yeah. And how many coconuts does it take, you know, right. and in a way that just says as much as this is beautiful and nourishing, if we're not seeing it from the ground up and understanding that process. So I, I love what you're doing because even if you're not in Maui and hopefully with this podcast, you can have some more appreciation for this beautiful plant. I know after today I do. This has just been a really beautiful experience. So let's talk about, you said there's 24, would you say phases? So where should we start? That's kind of what we're talking about earlier. (laughs) What comes first, the chicken or the egg? Um, You see a coconut at the store, chances are it's a husked brown coconut. It's had the outside removed. You're on vacation, you pull up to a little stand, you're going to have a green round coconut with a straw in it, right? So those are your two Typical associations with a coconut. When that green coconut matures, it stays on the tree for a whole year. It turns brown, 
and it falls from the tree. And that's the viable seed. That's what you would actually plant um, to grow another coconut. We crack that open, that's where that thick uh, white meat with all the oil and fat and goodness is. You scrape out the meat and press it, you make milk. You take that milk and you um, can do a couple different things. You can uh, spin it, you can ferment it, uh, you could heat it up, but either way you can then make oil from it. Now it depends on the coconut, but you're looking at, let's say a really big, awesome, great coconut, five tablespoons of fat. Um, what is it, about uh, 25 grams of protein. Um, according to the FDA, it's more fat than you need per day, but as <laughs> we talked earlier, lauric caprylic acid, really, really healthy fats. I'm eating two or three a day, so that means I'm eating 10 times as much fat as I'm supposed to have just with coconuts alone. So you can throw that whole concept out the window. Right. I, um, the countries that eat the most coconut have some of the lowest amount of heart disease. Coconut fat does not make you fat. It burns as fuel. And that fuel, again, is the food for the baby tree. So we're kind of like stealing it a little bit, but there's a huge abundance of it. Um, so tropical oils uh, used to be a huge part of uh, American diet. It was in all the cake mixes. And then in the 60s, we got told to be afraid of it. Cancel and <laughs> um, believe it or not, certain countries like the Philippines crush their economy. Because imagine you're in a wow. uh, country where one-fifth of the uh, export. Uh, yeah, export is coconut. So some of the people that helped bring coconut back into the spotlight were obviously in a coconut craze still, which yeah. is a good thing. Uh, Bruce Fife, I think is how you say his name, F-I-F-E. Um, he wrote several books about coconut oil, kind of helped... Uh, uh, bring it back. Yeah, and make people not be afraid of it anymore. And right. instead realize, like, wait a second, this isn't some evil thing that's trying to kill me. This is actually a miracle. When he flies to the Philippines, the president is there shaking his hand when he gets off because it changed their whole country. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So, um, most people don't realize everything goes behind it, but behind every coconut is a coconut orchard, of course. It comes from a tree. It doesn't come from a jar. <laughs> and um, most coconuts, even in that five-gallon jug at Costco are open by hand. So uh, in a small factory, someone's opening 1,500, 2,000, 2,500 coconuts per day. That's insane. Um, yeah, so uh, there's a lot of labor in faraway countries, um, but it's also good because it benefits those countries. It's an incredibly sustainable plant. And here we are in Hawaii, um, kind of one foot in the Western world, maybe most feet, maybe just a toe <laughs> out. Um, but we're at a place where we can grow this incredible plant, which is so giving. And yet most people don't because they look at coconuts like a liability. You know how people say more people get killed by falling coconuts than by uh, sharks? <laughs> a, it's not true, but B, it shows you just how uh, confused people are. They think coconuts are dangerous. When in reality, they could be one of our best friends. They could right. uh, keep your kitchen full, keep your belly full, keep your skin healthy, keep trash out of the landfill, use the husk and put them in the garden afterwards. Good for the garden, good for the trees. You know, they're just, they're incredible plants. And most people just view them kind of like gimmicky, you know? Yeah, yeah it's like uh, the, welcome to Hawaii. Yeah, it's like, yeah. here's my uh, token picture of me drinking a coconut out of a straw. And I'm going to make all my friends jealous. And that's about where it ends. But if you look into it, um, it's, I call it the most sustainable plant on earth. Yeah. So it's a really, it's a, it's a miracle. 
Yeah. Um, and if you were on a deserted island, we kind of talked about this earlier, and you only had one plant. So let's just say you're on a cruise line, it sinks, you swim to this <laughs> perfect tropical island. Um, let's say it just has one species of tree, but even maybe it just has one tree. And if you want to survive, if you want water, if you want firewood, if you want fat, um, you're going to get it all from the coconut. So if uh, it's so incredibly useful, we have to understand it. If we don't practice it, in other words, if we don't crack them open and make the milk and eat them, then we don't get the benefit. And sustainability can kind of be, it's like green painting, like almost like BS, like uh, sustainability. Yep. But there's nothing BS about coconuts. Yeah, they're here for us. They're here. They're taking care of us. And they're teaching us what you said earlier I thought was so beautiful about the abundance mentality. It's not just the warm weather. It's mm -hmm. this idea that there's enough to go around and how that's been so lost. And yeah. there's enough to go around if people take the time and plant them, that's, you know, yeah. if we just kind of go on with the status quo, then there's actually not enough to go around. You know? So is there a need for more planting of coconuts? Absolutely. Cool. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's 160,000 people that live on Maui. The vat, there's tons of coconuts on Maui. People come here and visit, they'll see them everywhere. But what they don't realize is they're looking at kind of like a, um, oh gosh, it's like a bastardized version of it. It's been, uh, it's been neutered. They've climbed the tree, cut out the flowers, cut out the male and female reproduction system, and made it so that coconut will not be able to produce coconuts because people are generally afraid of falling coconuts. Mm. Um, coconuts are the quintessential Hawaiian plant. You see them when you're driving, you see them on t-shirts, you see them on purses. What's crazy is people so associate that neutered version of coconut with the tree that that's how they think it looks. Mm. And so you'll see it on like a clutch. It'll say like, Aloha vibes. <laughs> and I'll look and I'll be like, well, that tree must be from a hotel. That actually has no food on it at all. Mm. So um, we need to have a change of like mindscape in Hawaii where instead of looking at a coconut as a liability, uh, we look at it as like a pantry that stocks itself. So it's always producing uh, more food and the coconuts are falling and it's free food from the sky and it costs you nothing. We're um, ready. Yeah, here you go. This <laughs> is for you. Crazy. Here you go. Um, and it starts around seven years. I've seen co coconuts fruit in like two and a half, three years, but typically seven to nine years is when a coconut gets into like full production and then it's gonna go for a hundred years. Mm -hmm. So you plant one coconut, it's gonna feed your kids, it's gonna feed your kids' kids and probably your kids' grandchildren. Mm -hmm. And that's the mentality we need to start thinking about sustainability. That's why I love it. It's a multi-generational plant. Yeah, and you've created this farm we're on Let's dig into that because this did not, this was covered in trees and it was beautiful and green and lush, but these trees were mostly invasive. So most people come to Hawaii, drive through the wetter area, you experience this beautiful green jungle, but people don't realize that plants have been brought here over the last hundred years and they've taken over. Hawaii is actually the extinction capital of the world. There's more plants and animals that have gone extinct here than anywhere else. So supposedly 98% of the flora and fauna you see is invasive. So when we bought this little farm, um, we cut down the Robusta eucalyptus, the Christmas berry, the African tulips, uh, all these big invasive trees, and we planted uh, Polynesian food crops. Ulu, breadfruit, coconut being like our main two. 
Uh, and then, of course, a whole bunch of other ones. And yeah, so we're sitting in uh, two and a half acres of um, a farm that's just budding. It's just flowering. And literally all my trees, because they're five, six years old, are all just flowering. So we're about to be in abundance. It's a real exciting time. It's been a lot of hard work. And now we're going to reap the benefits of it. So getting back to that abundance thing, a lot of people throw out this uh, word abundance. But the abundance is there, but you have to play your part in it. You don't just show up and receive abundance. You actually have to do some work. But once you do a certain amount of work, uh, get the trees in the right place, uh, dig them some good holes, then you can almost sit back. So uh, it's a lot easier to inherit a farm, you know, if you're a third generation farmer than it is to start one. But right now, Hawaii imports about 85% of its food. So everyone that lives here, um, or ideally even comes here to visit, should partake in like moving back towards 100% sustainable. Think about it, like when the Hawaiians, which were Tahitians that came here and settled this place, lived here for 1,500 years, they imported zero food for 1,500 years. Uh, upon contact with Western society, that changed, and it's gotten worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. So people think of Hawaii as this incredibly abundant place. Truth is, we're a food desert. Yeah. Hard, hard to believe, yeah. but... Um, Per mouth, per shelf at Costco, per shelf at Foodland, uh, we are not eating food from the islands. So uh, my goal with the coconut class that you took and that I uh, offer to um, locals and visitors is to make it so you can look at a coconut and you can know, I know what age that is. I know what tool to use. I know how to convert that into a meal to feed my family. And... uh, when you buy a coconut at the farmer's market, you're supporting a local job. Uh, you're encouraging the planting of more coconuts. Uh, you're doing a zero waste uh, solution. You're giving the healthiest possible food to your kids. Um, it's just such a win. Yet, even in Hawaii, you see people drinking a can of like canned coconut water from Brazil or Indonesia, um, which is great. It's probably better than a Coca-Cola or Pepsi. But I think for me, my passion, my goal is to connect to the source, get the highest quality food I can for myself and my family. So that's why I got into this. Yeah. So coconuts come in lots of stages, uh, flowers, and then it takes roughly about a whole year to turn into a brown coconut. So every stage of coconut is on the tree. uh, And if you go to the market, you're going to see different ones. Just for the record, the green is always associated with young. And I even say that, but coconuts are like us. They come in every single color. There's yellow, orange, brown, tans, uh, greens. Uh, There's even a beautiful white coconut from Sri Lanka. All one species, all different colors, constantly crossbreeding. So you can't really judge a coconut by its color, but you can judge it by touching it. So we grab it, we pick it up, we knock on it. There's a little bit of a vibration like a watermelon, and that's the easiest one to open. That's what we had first. That was the drinking water. So if you're having a can of coconut water uh, from the store, chances are you're drinking a young coconut, which is basically like nature's Gatorade. Potassium, magnesium. You put uh, that good electrolytes. lime in. Uh, the, the lime, Tahitian yeah. lime. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, yeah, it's nature's, uh, nature's Gatorade. Um, so that's our young coconut. And then as we go through, the meat thickens up, the fats, the proteins develop. The shell also gets harder, so we switch tools. We use a machete instead of the, uh, the coconut key. Uh, eventually it turns brown. Um, so every stage is edible. Supposedly the Hawaiians had 24 different names, one for every single stage. 
from just beginning to flower to uh, sprouting. And uh, who knows what sort of incredible culinary uses and um, things they have that are um, mostly lost but can be revived. They're still there for us. Yeah. 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 And I love the idea. You told me about the coconut rope. I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah. So uh, Senet um, is the outside of a fully mature brown coconut. Let's see if I could grab it. Could we get an audible yeah, rip? Yeah, of course. Yeah. So <laughs> if anyone's ever husked a coconut, maybe you could hear that, that ripping. These individual strands get woven together and they become incredible ropes. And supposedly it was some of the first trade uh, done between... Uh, Europeans uh, and Hawaiians because the Europeans sailed here on hemp ropes which would degrade from the salt water whereas coconut is actually designed to resist the salt water. Uh, they live at sea level and they propagate by falling floating in the ocean a wave pushes it onto a beach and now it's uh, kind of like starting a, a new life on a new beach uh, and that coconut itself is very very salt resistant so when the coconut rope gets hit with salt water on the way back, um, it actually tightens up and gets stronger. So it was a superior rope. Supposedly also, uh, the value of a rope, I read this once, was uh, if you had a, roughly a six to eight foot piece of rope, it was the value of a pig because you could catch a pig with that rope. Oh I, don't know if that, I don't know if that's totally true, but, uh, but it's a I good, love that story. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Cause it, I mean, and it's, I love the analogy, not the, even the analogy, the fact that salt, it's like responding into its environment in a mm -hmm. way that's so important when we think about material and sourcing and this, this way of regeneration, right? Chances are if someone listening to this, uh, walks outside of the front door, they have a coconut doormat. So, uh, brooms, and doormats to this day are still made with coconut core because when they're processing all those coconuts for all this demand for oil and milk in those countries, they have all this husk left over and it is an incredibly useful thing. And yeah. um, no trees are getting chopped down to make it. It's, uh, it's biodegradable. And yeah. part of your garden. Tell yeah, me about so your garden. Uh, we t it's kind of experimental. Yeah. But we take um, the coconut husk and we shred them and then we'll separate it into uh Coir and pith. Pith is in uh, garden potty mixes. So if you go buy the most premium garden soil mix to start a little container garden, it's going to be roughly 40% either peat moss, which everyone knows is totally unsustainable. You're basically digging up 10,000-year-old bogs that need to stay put. Or coconut pith. Both retain moisture really, really well. They breathe. Um, so we're making coconut pith and kind of adding it into our garden soil, more for our kitchen garden, um, for our workshops to grab a few little herbs and stuff for cooking. But I basically bought a bag of soil, looked on there, I'm like, okay, I'm going to make okay. this, except I'm going to make it myself. And it's incredible. When you make coconut oil yourself or pith yourself, you realize how cheap it is. Like that five-pound jug at Costco, let's just say that costs you $45 or $60, that would take you personally multiple days to yeah. make. Um, and so it's easy to see why people drift away from working directly with the plant, which is more work, yeah. higher quality food, but more work and get into the easy way, which is I'll just go to Costco and buy it. Yeah. But it is healthy for your family and it does give someone a job. So I don't want to like vilify that, but ideally 
the more your diet that is straight from the land, the healthier you're going to be. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the best way to judge someone is look at their compost pile. Yep. So if you got some eggshells in there, uh, if you got papaya <laughs> skins, uh, banana peels, I'm um, like, wow, this person's eating from uh, the land. Yeah. And so they're going to be healthy, and then their land's going to be healthy too. Versus looking at someone else, and like, oh, we got some plastic bags, and we've got some containers with a plastic lid. So everyone takes one step to go back to the old way, which is not a processed food, but just a straight food and then making it yourself, you're going to get healthier. Your land's going to get healthier. You're going to save money too. So since somebody might not have coconuts in their backyard, they still can get coconuts from the grocery store. That's the incredible thing is you go to the grocery store, you see these husk coconuts. Um, The big question is, I always tell people, you're probably going to kiss a few frogs (laughs) because uh, people love packaged coconut products, but they don't like to make it themselves. So you're going to want to find a spot that has a flow of coconuts. Uh, brown coconuts stay good for six months. So it's picked in India, Thailand, Sri Lanka, somewhere. It gets hus. It gets brought to your grocery store. A few months have probably passed. So uh, you grab it, shake it, make sure there's a little water in there. Make sure it's not cracked. Uh, smell it. Make sure it's not rancid. Crack it open. Find out if it's good. Uh, I had a gal that came and she took my class and she told me that her... Uh, grandmother was from the Philippines was the first generation to live in the United States and she would go into the grocery store buy four or five coconuts walk outside throw them on the ground crack them open and walk back and be like hey these two are no good these three are and keep going until she got her good coconuts I love that Um, but if you can find somewhere that has high turnover um, you can make everything you can imagine just like I can here in Hawaii so you have a cooking show you're starting coconut information you have this beautiful book that's available for ebook download yeah we got an ebook online um actually you can get a hard copy too basically uh, people were coming and taking my coconut workshop and i wanted them to go home with something a lot of people were like writing notes and uh originally i had like a six page handwritten thing that just kind of walked people through the absolute basics yeah um and i wanted to kind of upgrade it so um, someone got home was like, oh man, I don't remember that. How do I do that? So this is our, um, it's like our workbook. So if you come take our class, you get to take one of those home. Um, you'll take one home and if anyone wants to, they can have it. I've shipped them from Australia to the Philippines to all over. Um, it's funny, like people all over the world have stopped, uh, using coconuts and switched to, uh, just straight coconut products. And it's... You know, it's like fresh squeezed orange juice. That's probably the best way to explain it. Yeah. Fresh squeezed orange juice is so tasty and good. You order it at a restaurant, and if it's not fresh, you're like, oh, man, that's not fresh squeezed <laughs> orange juice. Uh, coconut milk's the same way. And then you take that coconut milk, you put it into a soup, um, you put it into a gravy, you put it into your coffee. In your coffee, I was just yeah. going to say. Um, and it's that much better than it would be store-bought. So it's just... it's healthier tastes better if you want to like wow factor to make a great dinner for your friends making yourself is definitely the way to go it is beautiful to also see male to female part the way it germinated and the way it spirals and goes up you said that you could see that on the tree the whole lifespan yeah Yeah. it's just gorgeous lots of pictures and visuals for you all to see this but if you come to maui you guys have to meet have to meet ryan and come to coconut information because this place is beautiful the more coconuts everyone eats, the better we're all going to be. That's I really firmly believe that.
That's so beautiful, Ryan. Thank you so much for your time, for this workshop. Thanks for listening. For this interview and just being another beautiful connection on my crazy what is happening I'm in Maui journey. <laughs> cool. Cool. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening, everyone. Look, have you ever like, heard that saying, um, for all man's achievements, we still owe our existence to six inches of topsoil and the fact that it rains. <laughs> it's some like farmer's group. It's so true.